the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowsbo. And uh, gentlemen, tonight I think is where we officially pivot from being a uh, Northwestern sports podcast to a Tiger King podcast. Um <laughs> Uh, how, how's quarantine going for you guys? It's going pretty good, Sam. I can't wait to hear the country songs that you've written. Um, I'm, I, I'm sure you have some great ones lined up, so you just take it away. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> they're going through final rendering. Uh, I, I would imagine they'll be posting uh, some point in the next week or two. Who knows? We shall yes. see. I'm building a cage in my basement right now. <laughs> I, I'll... I'll I'll tell you, I saw a wildcat, and wildcat saw a man. That's all I have to say. <laughs> well, um, I think we uh, we got to scrape a little egg off our face, guys. Um, last ne- week, I've never said, been so happy to do so. Yeah. So we spent the entire podcast last week talking about how we probably weren't going to be getting any of these big name recruits. Uh, how you know. Coming off a rough season like we did, um, the chances of us landing a big recruit over some of the top schools were slim to none and slim just left the building. Um, the day after the pod posted, we got one of those guys. Yeah. And, and not only like to say as we went through, I, you know, we listed all these schools who represented the big boys. Caleb Tiernan covered about half the list by himself. <laughs> I think Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Tennessee, um, all offered him. Um, he took, I think, at least three visits to Michigan. Um, and still, when the time came, he decided Northwestern was the place for him. It is a massive get for the Cats. Well, and it's 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 on the O line. The Kurt Anderson train continues to roll. Trench Cats, NWO, uh, all that good stuff. And um, John, I think you you were the one that that actually put this together. We now, in the last basically eighteen months, have recruited an entire offensive line that has picked Northwestern over one of those big time schools you just mentioned. It's amazing, and you know, and credit to Jeff Janik too. Who I you know I think that's probably his region or for whatever reason you know he was recruiting Michigan um, and he was the point of contact. Um, obviously, Kurt Anderson is a big part of this. We've just seen that with every, you know everything you said, the trench cats and everything. And you know I think there are a couple of different discussions to be had here. One is to the degree to as Sam said to which we have egg on our face. Um, it you know. Basically, what I'm saying is, is this something where this season is going to buck all the trends we established in our last podcast and we're going to steamroll right through this? Or is this a situation where, you know, as you guys said, Kurt Anderson is just a force of nature and he is just out there dominating and getting the best offensive linemen? Um, You know, it remains to be seen. I would love for us to be dead wrong on everything we said on the last pod and for the the four stars to just start rolling in. I mean, please let that happen. Um, And, you know, we had a lot of traffic on Twitter, um, on the Northwestern Rivals board, 
talking about this with different people and people were kind of positing different theories. I mean, the facilities, of course. Which, yeah, that's that's a big one. Right, which we touched on briefly um, in the last pod. But, I mean, it is a huge thing and it's not to be undersold. And I think there are a lot of guys for whom – I mean, we, we certainly talked last time about – we talked forever about the class that included Patty Fisher, Ben Skoranek, et cetera, um, and talked that you know for a guy like Patty Fisher, he was looking at a team that had gone five and seven two years in a row, and still for everything Northwestern offered on and off the field, that was the school for him. Well, if you fold that into say the same type of guy, and he's a certain caliber of guy, and it's the kind of thing where for that guy who's already looking really hard at Northwestern, maybe those facilities push it over the top. You know, maybe that that gets you a guy like Caleb Tiernan, even in a light season. Who knows? I, I think there's an element, and you've talked about this in the past, John, of the domino effect. That'll be interesting to watch here in terms of do guys appear to react to, to Tiernan's signing, and in some ways is. You know, is Tiernan looking at a Josh Preeb and um, and a Skaronsky and saying, "Look, look at that O line I get to play with, and look at that coach I get to play with." And I mean, that's a that's an element that we don't talk about enough. I, there was there was uh, some well publicized conversation in in last year's recruiting class across like um, Tara Edwards and uh, the guy that we got from from Vanderbilt and um, or stole from Vanderbilt, I should say, and then another guy that ended up not picking Northwestern, but they're egging each other on on Twitter to to join up, et cetera. And I have no idea if Tiernan's you know connected in with those guys or not, but the idea that talent is drawn to talent, and when when you know it's one thing when you've got a Rashawn Slater who is coming in and is and is easily the best player on paper to join a unit. It's another thing when there's already three high end guys on that unit and you're going to be the fourth banana. Right. So that's pretty interesting. I, I think a lot like my, my personal thought on this is that, um, you know, the trajectory of Anderson's recruitment, this is, this is still right in that path. And that's probably strong enough to, if not, to to at least you know account for the drop off um, last year in 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 terms of performance on the field, if if we see this kind of player at the skill positions coming in this year, that will really impress me slash surprise me, um, especially given the state of Northwestern's offense in the past. Uh, but man, I I would I would love to be surprised. So I think you know I think a lot of a lot of the the premise that we laid out last week is still is still very plausible. Um, but this is a great sign that there are other other factors and other forces at play um, that that can help us move in the opposite, better direction. It's funny you just talked about that because there's another thing that, of course, has been bandied about in addition to the talent, the domino effect that you're talking about. That, of course, is something that Northwestern has prided itself in, which is the family atmosphere and how that manifests itself literally as well as figuratively in terms of brothers coming in. Well, Caleb Tiernan does not have a brother on the team, but he's what you can call heavily brother adjacent because <laughs> he he, go, he attends Detroit Country Day High School. Um, I would say that's the high school most famous for producing Chris Weber, but more recently it produced all of the Bergen brothers um, who are all at Northwestern right now. And Chris and Joe, um, and there's a younger brother, I believe, Owen, 
um, who's going to be coming in. And I think it's either in Caleb's class or maybe it's one year his senior. Um, but all three brothers were very heavily involved in selling Caleb on the program. So that's the kind of thing that is a, a benefit that a Northwestern can give you that a lot of other schools can't just because you have that family atmosphere and you have three brothers who all know him really going to bat heavily. So that's kind of a, a really cool thing. Um, the one thing I, I really wanted to talk about too, just cause it's one of the funnest parts of this, um, funnest, I, I should say my wife loves to get on me every time I say funnest. I just don't know all the ridiculous words that can be added to the dictionary on a yearly basis now, but funnest can't be added. Come on. There's funner and then there's funnest. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, uh, ha- ha- you have to have gotten a few Medillafs for that over right, the years, look, right? Right. I, I mean, and whatever. I'm a trailblazer, Sam. You know, if, if I've, <laughs> if I've got to take a couple Fs. Anyway, what I was going to say is why is Caleb Tierden such a heavily regarded recruit? I mean, you're talking guy, Rivals has him as the 11th player in the state. He's a four-star player. Uh, again, we talked about that offer list, the full offer list. You know, it's Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, Nebraska, Tennessee, Boston College, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisville, Maryland. Why does he have all these offers? And what is it that looks so good on him in, on tape? And I think it is, you know, Scuzz mentioned um, the two recent big names, Josh Preeb and Peter Skaronsky. And of course, you could throw Ben Rather into that group also. And kind of, well, what jumps out with, with those guys when you watch them on tape? With Skaronsky, it's just raw power, the, right? The guy is just a physical freak of nature. Um, and, and that's we're all just salivating to see it as soon as next season. Preeb, he's just mean, so mean and vicious out there. Exactly what you want with a guard. With Tiernan, what I would say makes him such a hot commodity is he's very strong for the build he has. And as of right now, the build he has is practically a basketball player build. He's 6'8", yeah, 260? Yeah, 6'8", 260. So, I mean, yeah, for a basketball player, he's certainly not going to be lean. For an offensive lineman, he's very lean. Um, he looks like a tight end out there. He doesn't hit like a tight end. He is bowling guys over out on the field right now. And you kind of watch enough of the highlights and you're like, wow, this guy's power plant is really strong for how relatively lean he looks for a tackle. And then like any offensive coach is looking at a guy who's 6'8", 260. You're like, we can pack 40 more pounds onto this guy. Um, so I think that's what people are looking at. You're talking about a guy with, with unusual power for that amount of height and uh, you know a little bit of a mean streak. Who can get up to six eight three hundred pounds plus and be just a marquee tackle for you? I mean, that's that's what it is. It's a mix of what's there now, and also you can just project and be like, oh my gosh, this guy has you know an NFL frame if he puts on the weight. So yeah, it's this. There's no there's. It's not hard to look at the film and see why this guy is so highly regarded. It's not hard to look and see exactly what all the top programs were looking at. When they offered him a scholarship, I mean, he, this kid is a thoroughbred. There's no doubt about it. And, and at this point, he's got a year and a half to just hang out at the dinner table, um, you know, have an extra have an extra helping of mashed potatoes, uh, throw an extra burger on that uh, on that bun. Right. Exactly. You know, he can sit down. You know, with Kurt Anderson, 
They can, you know, they can sit, watch some WWE highlights. Of course, right now it's social distancing. So, you know, if they, you know, they about 10 fried chickens or so of social distance between the two of them. Uh, <laughs> and then they can, they can just enjoy some wrestling highlights and Caleb can start heading where he needs to go. So I've, I've just been perusing through, and I haven't done a lot of research on this, but I'm, I've just been perusing through some of the other four stars that we have offers out to right now in the 2021 class. Uh, there's a couple offensive linemen from Clarkson, Clarkston, Michigan, um, that uh, are likely to go to either LSU or Michigan or Notre Dame, not really considering Northwestern, it looks like. Um, so, I, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see if there's another, another O-line in the future. There is an, an interesting guy, Mac Uline, in uh, Lake Forest, Illinois, uh, a place that we've recruited well in the past. He does not have a big boy offer right now. Uh, Iowa and is is the best offer other than Northwestern. Uh, four-star linebacker. I think that's another really good shot for the Cats to land a four-star player. Rivals' future cl- cast has him coming to Northwestern, um, and we know that there's a lot of connections there in Lake Forest, similar to what you just mentioned, John, um, with, the, with the Bergen family. So... You know, I it I think it's very plausible that that the Cats land a couple more four stars in this class. What'll be will be interesting to me is what positions they're at, right? And linebacker is one where we haven't had a lot of four star recruits at linebacker. If I'm if I'm if I'm not wrong, <laughs> we haven't we haven't needed them, but yeah, we haven't. Yeah, had a lot of we we tend to find more of the diamonds in the rough. But um, I like if if a big time linebacker is showing up. If a big time wide receiver is picking Northwestern, if a big time running back is picking Northwestern, like to me, that would, that would, that would make our, our previous podcast, um, a really, really bad take that didn't age well. <laughs> um, and so, so we'll see. I, I, I hope in the end that that's the case. Yeah. And can we just talk about one other thing too? Just after the season that we all went through, um, and then just the general malaise that the entire world is in right now. This was just a really good piece of news <laughs> that made us all very happy. I think the whole Caleb, you know, thank you. Thank you for doing your part. And <laughs> however, however, the rest of your Northwestern career plays out and we hope for only the very best for you. I think we'll always remember that you delivered this little nugget of positivity in the middle of a, a real dark stretch for us. So thank you, young man. So an- another interesting, I-, I-, I don't know how much news this is, but um, Bill Connolly over on ESPN uh, had a piece in the, in today uh, and he had, a, had a little bit about, about Northwestern, which was really, really interesting. Um, talking about tempo and, you know, in everything we've heard, Mike Bajakian has been talking about tempo and, you know, what Connolly did in this was uh, looking at, you know, he calls something adjusted tempo, um, you know, in the running in number of seconds per play and the run pass ratio. He puts it all together. So, you know, obviously the more the more pass heavy the offense, you know, the, the faster you're going to be able to, to run. You're going to be able to run more plays, take less time off the clock because the clock's not running. Um, so, you know, he kind of put all this together and uh you know the, the number one tempo uh offense was Central Florida which makes a lot of sense Utah State was number 2 and Boston College was number 3 tied uh, with Utah State tied with Utah State yeah 
5.1 seconds faster than expected based on the run-pass ratio. So, you know, Boston College ran a lot last year. I mean, it was it was a, a running offense. And, um, you know, it, it, it was it, something that I, I think we're looking to mimic at Northwestern um, based on, you know, who we have, you know, the offensive line coming back. Uh, the talent that we have at the running back position, um, you know, the question marks at quarterback, what not, whatever, you know, we know, we know Fitz wants to run the ball. So it's going to be very interesting to see if Bajakian's tempo can be implemented in the same way as he was able to run it at Boston College. Um, you're running play after play after play, getting back to back on the line, snapping the ball running up tempo with a running attack should at the end of games completely gas out your defense. Or- hey, I re- I remember uh a certain northwestern team that seemed to employ that strategy pretty effectively. Was that somewhere back in the 2000 era? Yeah, we won a Big 10 championship on that exact concept. <laughs> it's interesting to, and this goes back to way, I mean, it, it goes back to, you know, the stuff that we have pinned to the top of our Twitter page way back when we did our deep dive into Bajakian when he was first hired. It's it's really interesting to look at the way that he kind of takes some traditional heavy type formations and then kind of turns them inside out. Um, one way that, of course, we talked about a lot when we first went over this is the fact that he likes to throw and throw aggressively out of formations that, you know, that are bunched to the line or feature multiple tight ends and he'll throw to those tight ends. He'll throw to those tight ends deep. Well, to, to all that, you could add the fact that, yeah, for a team that likes to go heavy and likes to run the ball heavy a fair amount of time, he also likes to go fast, which is kind of really interesting. And I would imagine, again, I, it's the kind of thing, you know, Kurt Anderson would be the person to, to answer a question like this. But the I would assume that four linemen who are conditioned, and I'm, I'm sure that there is some rough conditioning that goes into prepping a team to, to be a part of a fast-moving offense like this that runs the ball. I would think that it becomes a really offensive line-friendly system. Because you're kind of like punching them and then you're getting up to the line and punching them again. And if you're having success moving the ball, they're not able to sub personnel out if you're going fast. And if you're dictating and you're pushing guys around at the point of attack, you can really kind of keep your foot on their throat like that. So again, I would imagine, you know, it takes a well-conditioned group of guys. But when you think of some of the road graders we've got and the road graders that we've got, you know, in the wings as freshmen or even incoming guys... Um, I think it's it's something that they've got to be pretty excited about. Well, and it's the substitution piece that's so important that you just mentioned, John. And that was, you know, back when Northwestern employed this in 2000 and you had, you know, Rich Rodriguez doing the same thing at, at Clemson and then West Virginia. And you had this popping up in, in, you know, a handful of places in college football. And then it really kind of took storm. But like it was it, it was twofold. One, it was it was stretched the field horizontally to open up space and to enable a team like Northwestern to compete with a team like the Michigan team that we beat in in the 54-51 game, right? A team with vastly superior talent, speed, etc. Um, but the secondary component to that was controlling the matchups. And I think that's where the spread has really gone over time. And that's where being multiple 
and and like having players that can that can perform multiple tasks or be multifaceted weapons formations that operate that way the notion of a system that builds on itself in terms of plays and looks and then has counters to those plays and looks versus a system that that leans more on um play calls in certain situations which was the Mick McCall offense um that's where you know the, the comments that Bajakian made as offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFL to me are so telling because at that time he said wow I, I, I if if I ever get the chance to go back to college I can't wait to, I can't wait to employ the multiple formation uh, approach and scheme that we're using in the NFL at the college level and to me this is where it all comes together because now not only do you have, the the you know the formation on the field that is heavy to support the run but also you're comfortable attacking downfield in right you've now set up the tempo to dictate who's substituting on the other side a getting them tired b stressing them mentally and c potentially setting up some matchups that are favorable for you and that's i mean that's that's modern football offensive scheming and it's just it's it's wonderful to finally have that at Northwestern and I'm just I'm so excited to see what it looks like on the field and I think in in Connolly's words I he I think when he had this on Twitter he 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 was he was just kind of posing like oh how good is Mac Jones and you know let's talk about Jerry Judy and the wide receiver class and I think I'm kind of intrigued by Chex Notes Northwestern and I like I think that's a fair thing to say and like we're all entering this this new world that's going to be hopefully vastly different from the one we've lived for the last 12 years but we don't quite know how it's going to play out and I think the uncertainty at quarterback um, is a big factor to that just the 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 question of how much Fitz is going to flex and change and hand over control um, to 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 Bajakian is another question but um, the other thing that he 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 references and I don't you know we haven't I don't think we've really talked about this that much but the I think it's the top four runners, the top six receivers, and and four starting offensive linemen all return for Northwestern on the offense. And even with a new quarterback or an old quarterback, if if it is Hunter Johnson um, or Andrew Marty, like that's a foundation that you can build on. That's a group that can take a new system and run with it. And it's I don't know, I, like I'm I'm getting more and more excited. I really hope we have college football this fall, guys. Yeah, seriously, right? Uh, but. Um, but yeah, there's just there's just a lot of excitement here that every time I dig into this, it, it bubbles up even more. Yeah, it's really interesting, you know, hearing people talking about, you know, and and at this point, you know, everyone's like the big uh, metric that people look at are returning players, and we have so much returning from last year. Yeah, it was a terrible year last year, but everyone's back. So you know, you put a new system in, and you know, you've got. I mean, there is a foundation there. It, a, a lot didn't work last year, and, and we know that. We, we're not going to rehash that, but the fact that you've got everyone on the same page already, you've worked out like the the chemistry kinks. I, I would I would imagine, and just everyone back is definitely a, a plus. Plus two. Again, we talked about this on the last pod, and we talked about the fact that Northwestern like does an awesome job at developing talent that, you know, was either overlooked or was, you know, 
whether it's walk-ons or whether it's guys who are like solid three-star recruits who we turn into really awesome Big Ten football players, a Patty Fisher type. We also talked about the fact that when it is the guys like a Caleb Tiernan who pick Northwestern over the big schools, we tend to develop those guys very well. Just remember, this upcoming season, Northwestern's going to have 14 guys who are either true freshmen or redshirt freshmen who picked Northwestern over at least one other major program. So that excellent recruiting that's been going on, like that faucet, like those guys didn't all just go away because we had real issues with the offensive scheme and quarterback play last year. This team is really stacked full of talent. And right, it's it's talent that's returning starting, but it's also depth and young guys. There's just a lot here. And right, it could be Bajaki and it could be the right quarterback and suddenly like the switch gets flipped and we're really looking at something special. You guys remember a couple years back when Michigan State, you know, was good, 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 and they just had that one random blip of a year. It was they were terrible and then they were the next year it was like they were right back to where they were before. The the blueprints are there to do something very similar, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think obviously a big part of that is that our defense isn't gonna stop being sweet. Like we know, just like just like Michigan State had the ability to hang their hat on that, we've we've got that. This defense is still Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher and an awesome defensive line, and you know a secondary that continues to improve. It's yeah, the pieces are there, and again, it's like it goes to what I was talking about before. Suddenly, we all feel like we have like glimmers of positivity, like we're emerging out of the woods here, a little bit hopeful. Um, and looking at Northwestern football uh, in, you know, remembering all the good times that have been had and thinking about how we're going to get back to that. So I uh, want to keep it you know short and sweet for tonight. Um, although before we go, uh, I'd like everyone to kind of put on the weight, you know, take we'll take a trip in the Wayback Machine. Put on your hats and uh, think back 10 plus years or so. Um, the three of us were, as we were putting together the pod, you know, kind of mashing out ideas, throwing concepts, and uh, kind of creating what has turned into the West Law Pirates podcast. We got together at a uh, sports bar called Pitch, which no longer there. Um, it, it did not last much past that uh, that meeting, I don't believe. And I, I believe it, it was a fairly new bar when we went in there, too. So they, they severely overestimated the market for a massive soccer bar uh, at, I think it was, what, Ashland and Clybourne, I want to say. Um, yeah, it was well, like... Well, this was if, late. This was late 2010. They were probably like six years too early, right? Yeah, and especially like if the this whole build a soccer stadium in Lincoln Yards, it would have been right there. I mean, so but that's not happening, and and whatever. But we got together, uh, and as we were hashing this all out, it happened to be bar trivia night. We weren't there expecting to play bar trivia. We there just grab some drinks and you know come up with the concepts for the pod, but. Um, we had bar trivia and we won because, you know, we just were like, oh yeah, bar trivia. Let's, let's do this. And we put you know all who the, what? we put you it know together. Who we what? Won. You know who was there to play bar trivia that night? The team from Harvard who, <laughs> who got housed by three Northwestern boys. Just feel the need to point that out. So in, as we're in like full quarantine mode, we figured we'd bring bar trivia to you all, um, all of our listeners, uh, we 
kind of teased this a little bit on Twitter. Um, and a lot of it we're going to keep talking about on Twitter. But um, if you head to our website, westlawpirates.com, uh, starting uh, this Sunday, uh, April 5th, um, and then we're going to be putting four questions a day up on our website. We'll, we'll obviously you know put it out on Twitter, Instagram, and all, all that. Um, and we're going to be putting out these four four questions um, each day. And they'll be varying in terms of uh, points. Um, yeah, it will get harder as the week goes on, I believe, is uh, is the plan. Um, John, Eric, you want to chime in on this? So, so the one part of it is these questions, um, the majority of the questions will, they're all Northwestern football questions. A lot of them are very hard to answer completely, but partial credit is possible for any part of a question that you answer correctly. And almost all of the questions, in fact, I think all of the questions have multiple pieces. So it could be a question where you're like, I can't name all of this. I can't name all of these guys, but I can name two or three of them. You'll get credit for every piece of the question that you answer. Yeah. And we want to make this, you know, we want to make this fun. Like, like, I mean, like bar trivia. So we're, we're encouraging folks to form teams. Um, you'll be, you'll, you know, the stuff will be posted on our website. You'll be submitting your answers by, by email. I think uh, we'll probably ask people to, to have them in depending how early we get them out each day by, by the end of that day, like, you know, midnight central time or something, we'll post uh, a leaderboard and um, yeah, the idea is just to have some fun with this. You know, obviously like everybody has the internet. We all have nothing don't, to do. Like let's don't let, cheat. Yeah. Like, t- like treat this less like a scavenger hunt and more like, you know, bar trivia, like, like don't use your phone type type deal. So um, right, like make, if you make it more fun for everyone. Right, like if you want to form a team with two or three guys, feel free to try to like crowdsource the answer with those guys. Just like don't look it up. I mean, it's like obviously no one's checking to see whether you cheated or not, but this is just to have fun. It's just to see, you know, what we can all do and we'll put up a leaderboard, et cetera, just for the fun of it. So yeah, um, you know, we'll, we'll have the questions up uh, early in the day, um, starting on Sunday the 5th. Uh, and then, you know, more questions every day. We'll try to get them up early in the day so you have the day to work on them. Um, you'll you email your answers to westlawpirates at gmail.com. Um, you can also probably, we'll have our DMs open. So if you want to slide into our DMs with the answer, uh, we can do that as well. Um, yeah, just let's, let's have some fun with this. I mean, no one else, anything going on and you know, take a break from Netflix for a little bit. Tiger King is not going anywhere. It's, but you, it's, it's if, also if you fin- short. It's only seven episodes. So yeah, most exactly. y- most of y'all are probably through Tiger King and needing something new. And so that's why we thought, you know, the West Slot Pirates uh, quarantine bar trivia challenge. Right. And and in the event that there is a tie and we need a tiebreaker at the end of the week to settle this thing, I'm not going to say the team that writes the best country song having to do with Northwestern football and or Tigers is going to win. I'm just saying it couldn't hurt. <laughs> and maybe that's extra credit. Regardless, if, if it's a tiebreaker or not, if, if you come up with a good country music song about Northwestern, I, I think that that's definitely some bonus points for you. 
If, if you write a song involving Northwestern and Ohio State and it's called Here Kitty Kitty, we might just have to give it to you right off the bat, but I, I, I can neither confirm nor deny. So yeah, let, let, let's have some fun with this. Um, yeah, obviously head to our website, westlawpirates.com. We'll have all the questions there. Um, they'll be, we'll have them up on Twitter, Instagram, um, and all the, all that jazz. And yeah, it, it'll be good times. So I look forward to seeing y'all's answers. Um, yeah, like we said, these are going to be tough, but, uh, but doable, I think. Um, you know, we're not expecting perfect scores. Because some of some of these questions are pretty obscure, and and like we said, you know, let's let's don't cheat. It, it take it take the fun out of it. So yeah, it'll be good times. And I, I guess we'll go ahead and just leave it there for tonight. Um, head to our website westlawpirates.com. You can leave comments and questions. Uh, find us on Facebook, twi- Twitter, and Instagram at westlawpirates, and email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazba, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.